0: Victory, looking to build. Barbaroussis is quick. Is he in
1: behind Topor Stanley? It doesn't matter. Costa Barbarusis. Wow! Yeah! yeah! Up like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And damn, anti again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick <laughs> from here.
2: New music, all Australian. All the good stuff, that can only mean one thing. FNR Radio's official A-League men's season preview. And I defy you, Football Nation, to find any other football or A-League men's preview out there that features not one, not two, but three Evan Morgan Graham endorsed people that (laughs) featured in the video. You will not find another preview with specifically three. All right, three. That's, you know, I'm setting a very specific bar, but we're still clearing it. That's the beauty of it. So three meme-endorsed people here to take you through the A-League men's season, and I'll start by introducing the man to my right, adding the weights in the uh, A-League men's gym. It's Josh Parrish. Josh, welcome to you.
0: I I think I'm yet to join you in the FNR gym sessions, so I feel like that... uh a little short, uh, maybe misplaced me there. I don't think I've earned that. I certainly haven't kept up on my ACL rehab, so...
2: It's true. Were, that, that was actually one of the overwhelming comments from the video. I said, mm. what are Josh just, and Lockie doing? Does Josh this even of, of the, This pl- guy,
0: on the other hand, of, pumps iron. On a, the pl- on a, multiple times Look, I'm
2: Look, I'm just aspiring to be uh, Joey Lynch, but I guess I guess in a way <laughs> we all are. Of course, I'm Lockie Flanagan, and joining us via Zoom is the man doing backflips, sending balls into bins, the chubby evangelical himself. Nick Stoll, a warm welcome to you.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here. Plenty of my hot takes will be backflipped into a bin. Uh, (laughs) I don't know whether that says my hot takes are good because the people were cheering in the background or that they are inevitably trash because that's where it ended up. So it was was an interesting one to watch, um, but I did appreciate being in that video. Can you
2: actually do... A backflip, Nick, out of curiosity? You,
1: obviously not. I mean, they, I couldn't do it in my prime. Never mind. Well, now I, I'm nearly turning thirty. I feel
2: like there is no better time than now to start practicing. You do have, unfortunately, now something of a reputation to unhold, you know on what?
1: Rather. That's all right. The, by the end of the A League season, so by the time I our would... A League
2: Men's season review comes up, the yeah. f- we're not even going to. St- there's going to be no intro music, no nothing. It's just going to be Nick's old backflip. That could even be the start and the end of the show.
1: That would be the the most
2: important development of the A-League men's season.
1: You heard it here first. I will do a backflip at the end of the (laughs) A-League season.
2: Well, stick around (laughs) for this one. I know you'll all be hanging out for that, but uh, we'll sink our teeth straight into this preview. Pretty simple order. We will go in reverse ladder order from last season, so from last all the way to first, starting off with a big question that I'll be addressing to, to one of the two of you. So, obviously, reverse order means that we start with the big V, Melbourne victory, of course, bottom of the ladder at the end of last season. And you don't Josh, have
0: to relish that particular statement. Oh, I so feel like sorry. it's worth mentioning once or twice.
2: I feel like it's worth the occasional <laughs> mention. But Josh, obviously, as the resident victory man amongst us, I'll go mm. straight to you. Victory over the offseason, a complete and utter rework. So many new players coming in, uh, including an old player in the form of Matthew Spiranovic, who I know you're very excited to see. But it's a completely new look, a new squad, new coach, new director of football, Tony Popovich, John Didalitzer, the role being created for him. Mm. It's all new stuff. Does Tony Popovich preside over a V-shaped
0: recovery? I think it's undoubtedly an improvement. I mean... Does, does Sparanovic count as a form of play? Does one friendly match before season Arsene one of the Wenger A-League count as desc- X? Ex- I think victory? Arsene Wenger would describe him as like a new signing. Oh, <laughs> uh, We could have had Sparanovic in his prime. You know, exactly. But, you know. uh, actually, Ernie Merrick told him he was too good for the A-League and he left and went to,
1: to Nuremberg. Uh, true, oh, perhaps apocryphal story. But Ernie Merrick told me the same thing. And yeah. You know, I think he was just trying to be nice.
0: <laughs> and uh, he later backflipped on that decision. No. Um, <laughs> Uh, Look, uh, this is clearly an upgrade in the coaching department. They've clearly got their act together in terms of actually delineating the roles off the pitch with a new CEO who seems to know what they're doing, uh, a new director of football. A lot of uh, misplaced bile directed uh, towards Paul Trimboli last season, even though he's just the football ops guy. So the communication strategy and the way they handed the fan forum last night, by all accounts, fantastic. Does it come together on the pitch? I'm not sure that they're title contenders, but coming from a low base, I think we'll see a marked improvement. My question marks are in the midfield. I think they're well stocked at the back now, which is a major weakness last season. I expect to see them eventually play three at the back, even if they start with a four, as as rumours have it, they've been playing in preseason uh, because they've just got so many central defenders in the squad, it seems built to play with a, a Popovich-inspired uh, uh, 3-4-3. Uh, but... You know, I think they'll be solid. They'll be hard to beat. Do they have enough creativity and the t- weapons to actually control games in the center of the park? A lot actually falls on the shoulders of Rai Marshan, who is a guy from Segunda well, Bay. Well, actually, I, I just
2: quickly want to turn to Nick Stoll because yeah. Rye marshan is is turning out to be something of the the A League men's Carmen San Diego. <laughs> like we don't know who he is, we don't know where he is. I mean, presumably he's at a, he's at Gosh's Paddock, but. Nick, you are the the resident Spanish football expert, so you would be the best best place to know who is Raimu Chan. <laughs>
1: Rai Machan. Oof, can I tell you stories about Rai Machan? (laughs) I have been watching Rai Machan his entire career. His entire career, of course, started if you just quickly search Google. uh, (laughs) He's recently come from Andorra, which is best known for a tax haven. Um, So, you know, possibly uh, that will help um, the team. But, uh, you know, as he doesn't really seem to have a Wikipedia page, I can't really tell you too much more. Um, (laughs) But look, who knows? He he might be transfer market is just taking a long time to load as well. so he, he might be a great player. He might not. He's 28 years old. He's a Spanish midfielder. That's kind of like hearing that there's a French chef in the kitchen. You presume it's good. Or that the other team has a Brazilian, you know, futsal player. You just kind of like, probably they're going to be good. I have no idea. Um, I am very excited about seeing Chris Economidis, uh again this season playing for victory. I think that could be really interesting. And yeah, is it going to be an improvement on last year? it would be nearly impossible not to be an improvement on last year. I mean, what what was it? They lost the Derby 5-0 and then lost the next game, the next Derby 6-0. How is it possible to not improve on that? Um, Yeah, I I agree with you. I don't think they're going to be a title contender because that's just a massive jump. Um, to make Uh, but you know it does seem like that club is heading in the right direction which is important not only for victory in Melbourne but for the A-League because they are you know fundamentally one of the biggest teams in the competition
2: so still plenty of questions over how they're going to function Mm. how well these visa signings are going to perform but are we going for a sort of bottom half of the top six is that is that where we're collectively landing
1: Bottom half of the top six, mid table, <laughs> mid table, <laughs> yeah. mid table.
0: Yeah. Do they make the finals or not? I think is the question, and I think they're going to be right on the verge there. I mean, you know, Chris Economy is obviously a great signing. You know, I'm if Raimar Chan turns out to be. A great signing and dominates the midfield and Brellante provides the leadership and the energy and you know the hard tough tackling in that kind of three four three setup, I can see them doing very well. If he turns out to be a dud, I can see there being no conceivable replacement in that role because we saw Jake Brimmer last season, just how bad he is defensively. You know, he was maybe that was to do with the coaching, but he was quite good when playing in a number 10 role and good off uh, set-piece deliveries, but defensively, he was a complete sieve and left the defenders behind him exposed. So, unless they have a good number eight, Victory won't make the finals. Ow. (laughs) Nick Stoll? Yes, no?
1: Uh, I think... I think they will make the finals. I think uh, they will be a typical Tony Popovich team and they will be very solid defensively and they'll be hard to break down and that will serve them well uh, this season. I think it's an interesting season as well for Popovich given, you know, he's had now two failed stints in Europe. Um, Why those stints have failed is, you know, uh, probably he can answer that better than us because we didn't really know what was going on at Xanthi. But, but I feel like there is a little bit of something for him to prove. We know obviously he's amazing. He has an amazing record here uh, in Australia without ever obviously winning the A-League uh, winning, you know, the grand final. Um, but I do think it's an interesting one for him as well, because I think as well, you know, he's kind of always been touted as this very defensive minded coach who he likes to kind of, I think at a certain stage, say, no, 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 I'm, I'm more than that. And maybe he needs to be more than that this season. Um, so I think it's going to be a fascinating season. And also i I'm really fascinated to see how the fans respond you know like, like I said it's a uh, you know peak victory was what like average crowds of like 30,000 um, and now it feels like you know it's a long way off that um, how quickly do the fans return how, how quickly does that all happen um, because it was a really tough year not in, not only in terms of results but also the the policing with active support. And I noticed that that was um, mentioned in the fans forum last night. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's just going to be a very interesting season uh, for Melbourne Victory all around.
2: Yeah, certainly. They'll be one of the teams to watch. And I think they're one of those teams that also has that sort of massive intangible benefit in terms of the numbers they can bring in. Still waiting to see how consistently they get supported. Depends on mm-hmm. how they start and how they continue. But the fact that they've already ticked over 19,000 members for this before the start of the season... August quite well for at least uh, the fans getting
0: behind them once again. Yeah, the problem they had last season was members not turning up to games. Mm. Uh, so if. I think they had a problem with the players not turning yeah. up to quite a few <laughs> games as well. <laughs> but, you know, the membership number doesn't mean anything if those members are so disheartened that they don't even attend the games they've already paid for. And yes, there was a issue there with COVID and having to pay extra. It was like a weird membership uh, arrangement and, you know, it's, it's hard to analyse uh, crowd numbers too deeply when there's obviously the ongoing COVID situations and behind closed doors games and interruptions. But, uh, yeah, I, I think there, there's going to be good vibes around the victory this season and um, as for on-field performance, I think they'll be right in the in the battle for, for sixth spot come the uh, last few
1: weeks. Can I just say, it's going to be really interesting to see um, how that first game goes against Western United in Geelong. I think, you know, if victory go away there, get a good win, the fans have a great time in the away day, that will just set up the season straight away. And I think that will build positively. Same on the on the flip side of that. If they don't have the best performance, they don't have the best results, and already your local rivals are getting a bit of a, you know, getting one on you, I think that could have a negative impact as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Popper manages um, that as well and, and how the players go under Popper who is you know known as being someone who is so hard, you know, who really kind of maintains these intense standards around dieting and, and fitness. Um, you know, it, I think that's going to be something to look out for early and I think also especially on that first night, it's going to be really interesting to see how Channel 10 broadcasts it because this yeah. is going to be the first game that is similar Cast with the the Sydney Derby is going to be on at the same time. And I, I, my understanding is that they're going to be showing the Sydney Derby and then cutting back to the Western United-Melbourne victory game. Mm. I, I don't know how that works if you can watch the Western United-Melbourne victory game just on its own if you're a victory fan. But that, that whole thing is just going to be interesting because this is a new era for the A-League.
2: Yeah, well, despite their recent performance, they are still the big fish. Of the A-League men's, and there'll be plenty of eyes on them as the season goes on. We could probably talk more about them, but we've got 12 teams to get through. So we'll go back up from the foot of the table. The 11th place, Newcastle Jets. Next on the list, New Look. It's not a lot of New Look teams, a lot of turnover in this offseason. Newcastle Jets, absolutely no exception. Of course, Arthur Pappas stepping into the management role, coming back from Greece. And they've got a New Look Spine. Matt German, Jordan Elsie coming in at the base of defence and a fresh face at the helm. There have been some interesting signings, not least the introduction of uh, my man, Eli Babalj, out from footballing wilderness. Hasn't played professionally in over, I think, a year and a half now. But the game on the weekend, you know, Newcastle Jets, not always a heap of optimism are behind them in recent years. But the game against Western United, who some people look on quite favourably at the moment, more on them later... They were very competitive in mm. that game. Yeah, Can they flirt with finals football?
0: I think finals is a stretch, to be honest. But some of these foreign signings look to be quite promising based on that one game. I mean, uh, Mikul Tadze, the uh, Georgian striker, looks a real player. Obviously, Peña scored that unbelievable free kick. Yeah. So looking at the squad in terms of the local players, it looks pretty average to me. It looks like a lower half of the A-League team, you know, sort of bottom three, bottom four. But if some of these foreign signings turn out to be massive hits, as hinted at in that game against Western United, then they could propel themselves up the table a bit. I still am yet to be convinced. I'm also not sure about Arthur Pappas as an A-League manager in a professional setting. He doesn't seem to last very long anywhere he goes, I don't think he's really created anything sustainably successful over his career, and there might be a little bit more flash than substance there. Um, but um, I'm excited because I think they're going to try and play quite ambitious football because you know that's how pa- uh, Arthur Pappas sees himself as a progressive manager who plays attacking stuff. And it could go well, it could go horribly wrong. I still think they're going to be you know in the bottom four this season unless. Some of these foreign guys really uh tear up the league. Go.
1: Look, nothing to me says a new coach has come in and didn't like what he sees. Like I think about 13 uh, signings and about 14 departures. Uh, you know, you said it's a new spine. It's a new spine, new face, new <laughs> legs, new feet, new hands. This is a very different looking team than last season. Uh, you know, and obviously that makes sense. They were pretty terrible last season. Uh, the, it's a question about Pappas is a really interesting one because obviously, you know, we, I think everyone now, you know, most people and at least revere Ange for what he did at Yokohama and Arthur Pappas, you know, reportedly was very much a big part of that. I think what's going to be really interesting is Yeah. Papas. he's one of, we talk about kind of ex players getting maybe a little bit of a foot up, having a name in the game and therefore they get the coach opportunity. Arthur Papas is kind of the antithesis of that. He was never a player of any note. Um, believe he had some knee injuries or whatever when he was young and he never really made it, but he's been, you know, really working on his coaching for years. He is a young coach in what we usually know as coaches, but he's been coaching for 10, 15 years. You guys probably know better than me down in our NPL Victoria. Um, and yeah, like you say, he hasn't lasted, uh, very long, So, you know, does he just build for the short term? Um, you know, bringing in all these players, uh, it suggests to me that, you know, he's clear on what he wants um, by getting rid of so many players and bringing in so many new players. But from the bits that I saw against West United and the FA Cup, I thought there was some signs there that's positive. Um, there's reasons for Jets fans to be excited this season. I think that's really important. And, you know, like I said with the victory, the first game against the Mariners, you win that. Suddenly, you know, you're really positive. You win the local derby. Uh, I think it could be, I think it will definitely be a better season uh, for the jets. Um, Are they making top six? That's a lot of, it's a lot of new players. It's a lot of, it's a new coach. You know, that's a recipe that suggests it probably is going to be some instability, some miscommunications, going to have some issues. I don't think so. I don't think they'll make the top six, Um, but because there are so many new ingredients there, we we don't know. It, It could be, you know, all the magic that you need to have a really good run and go top four.
2: Yeah, well, a lot depends on the way those visa signings all transpire. Early signs are good, but it is a long season. But the other mm-hmm. promising thing for me as well, um, thinking about some of the players that provided for the Jets last season, like Valentino Yule, like there's been
1: uh, some
2: good younger, you know, fresh faces brought in as well. I mean, Sam Silvera, not a fresh face to the A-League, but a very interesting pickup for Newcastle Jets on loan from Pacos. Nonetheless, uh, Costa Grozos as well, I know you're very, very big. You buy a lot of tickets of uh, I do. Costa Grozos stock. It's and, a good supporting cast.
0: Uh, you know, there's uh, a lot of former Western Sydney Wanderers youngsters that kind of fell out of that squad or didn't make it in the first team that I think will end up doing very well at other A-League clubs. And, you know, we're finally seeing some of them get opportunities. Mark Tokic has wandered back onto the scene over overseas in, in Europe as well. So, uh, yeah, I do like Grozos. I, I like the uh, ideas. I don't know about the execution. Also, this is a team without an ownership group. Um, so, you know, I don't know what the the budgets in terms of behind the scenes, in terms of like stuff we don't see, like coaching staff and high performance mm. stuff. I don't know what they're working with in that department, whether they're constrained. But, you know, Newcastle, again, coming from a low base, I don't expect them to make the finals. I think it would be a huge story if they did, uh, a la Stajic and, and Central Coast last season. Uh, but you know, so who we gave no
1: chance to last season. By the way, yeah. I remember this preview, and it was how the Mariners going to do. And I said, guarantee bottom two. I had no idea what I was talking about last year when it came to the Mariners. I mean, it was great, and I hope actually, I hope all my predictions are wrong uh, <laughs> for this preview because there's nothing like a season where you know it turns on its head. It's hard to predict. You know, I think it would be very boring if Sydney FC and Melbourne city make the final again this year, you know, I mean, throughout the season, there'll be interesting storylines, but one of the better things about the A leg is kind of the unpredictability, unpredictable nature of it. Uh, And the fact that we've actually had, you know, quite a few different champions over the years. So yeah, I think the jets, Let's see what happens. Um, ben Kantorowski will be playing in centre midfield as he's done. So for all the changes, Ben Kantorowski will still be in centre midfield. And somehow I've just looked up, he's still under the age of 30. I couldn't believe that. I thought he was like surely older than that, but he's just been there forever. Um, but yeah, big season for the Jets. Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm mean that i not going to go into detail about it because we need to get on to the next team, but that is even... You, the fact you bring up Ben Kantorowski playing in midfield is means that we've ignored the fact that Stephen Ugarkovic is no longer part of that yeah. midfield. Mm. I know we could talk for probably a whole hour about it, but we won't. We'll go straight on to Western United. Newcastle Jets opponents at the weekend in the FFA Cup, of course, Western emerging victorious. Josh Parrish, you're the last man that I saw wearing Western United official team merchandise, <laughs> so I will defer to you. The star atop the sort of Christmas tree, this green and black Christmas tree, is obviously Alessandro Diamanti Last season... Very, very disappointing. The mood got a bit sour towards the end of the season. But it, it seems to me like as John Aloisi's come in, uh, the transfers, the, you know, the players that have come into this side, um, there's a lot of cause for optimism, at least within the playing group. And it seems like they've done a really good job of scouting to bring in a really like, well-credentialed supporting cast. So I, I guess to that end, um, you know, my question to you is, does the combination of that supporting cast underneath the star that is Alessandro Diamante and potentially his last dance, uh, if you'll pardon the expression, (laughs) push them further (laughs) up the A-League ladder. I think it does. I'm cautiously optimistic about Western United this season. What tune is that last
0: dance to, by the way?
2: Yeah, Uh, I I mean, Western United are filming a documentary this season, so could it be an Alessandro Diamante last dance style thing?
1: No, a last dance implies that you've had some successful dances previously. Alexander with great guy, you know, amazing for the league. He has I not won. It, he has not won the, the, he the won the championship. He won the Johnny Instagram. Warren.
2: You haven't been watching the Instagram stories that I have, Nick. If you don't think he's a good dancer, <laughs> I'm just
1: saying. No, wait, okay, he's a good dancer. What I mean is by it, the last dance in the Michael the Michael Jordan thing was we've won five times. Yeah. This is the last time we'll go for it. All right, you kind of what made a semi-final I think was the best that they've done and then be like, Oh, you know, one more time. So okay. we do it for old times. Yeah. Sake? Perhaps I should, should pose this
2: question about Western United using a, a different documentary <laughs> metaphor. Yeah. Then. They're, fil- they're filming that doco this season. Uh, usually the Amazon ones are all or nothing for Western United. Will it be all or will it be nothing? Nick Stoll.
1: Mm. I think it might be something in between uh, <laughs> <laughs> as it always seemingly is in those documentaries. Is it hard um, to land a backflip on a fence, Nick? Or? <laughs> Look, uh, what I'll say is this, uh, John Aloisi has taken over and I got to work quite closely with John Aloisi uh, during uh, the Euros and the Copa America when I was working at Optus and he's a great guy and I've worked with him previously before and, um, you know, I've spoken to players who played under him at Brisbane Raw and uh, Melbourne City and even though he had his issues, especially at Melbourne City, he had a lot more success at Brisbane Raw, I think the players actually really like playing under him and he creates an environment where, you know, the players really quite like him, which from the sounds of it, is going to be a bit of a contrast to Mark Rudin, who you know has his qualities as a coach for sure, but seemingly creating a harmonious environment is not one of them. Um, it seems like there was a lot of tension uh, in that dressing room. So having said all that, a lot of the big personalities have also dropped out. You know, Bessat Barisha is gone. Victor Sanchez is gone. Philip Curto is gone. um has gone, which I wouldn't say is a big personality. I mean, Andrew Durante uh, has gone at least from the playing side. Um, so it'll be interesting uh, what Western United do. Um, and I can't wait to watch that documentary. I, think, I actually think it's a great idea to do behind the scenes documentaries. And I hope whatever happens, they show it warts and all. Cause I think one of the big problems with those, I don't know if you guys agree all or nothing, documentaries is they're quite boring when they're getting sanitized um I much prefer the Sunderland Until I die <laughs> this is a disaster and here's exactly how that went down version uh, I hope their season isn't a disaster but I do like the transparency of it so uh what I'll say is hopefully good documentary and good season
0: yeah look they need to have a good season they need to build their fan base obviously playing outside of the uh the mythical stadium is always going to be tough mm-hmm. and it's a hard thing to sell. Like we're, you know, it's a long-term plan, I suppose. And in the short term, there's going to be pain um, when it comes to attendances and so forth. Uh, look, I-, I was going to say much the same thing as you, uh, Nick. Uh, it wasn't a happy dressing room last season, clearly. It just fell off a cliff. And I think morale was a big, big part of that. An application fell as a result. And John Aloisi... Um, Whatever you think of his coaching, he's a fantastic person who is going to lift morale in the dressing room and it's going to be a happier environment. Do all the pieces fit together? I don't know. Uh, I was a big critic of Aloisi's at Raw. I thought he relied too much on uh, older players and the team stagnated and and sort of slowly deteriorated as a result and they've gone out and signed a bunch of 30-plus players again. Uh, Diamante uh, obviously is a great player, but he seems to try and do too much and the whole team becomes about him and it, it uh, doesn't really lend itself to a, a functional system where he's dropping really deep to get the ball and trying to be all things to all, all people. You really need him in the final third where he can provide uh, final ball with with quality and, and not uh, playing him all over the park because it's just an athletic impossibility for him at this age. Briovic... In terms of pedigree, amazing signing. But do they really need somebody with a bit more pace up front? Uh, they've obviously got Wenzel Halls and Lockie Wales can on they, the flanks that form could complement. Yeah, two. very very possibly. Um, you know, there, there are lots of areas of the team uh, that I think have quality, but mm. do the pieces fit? Uh, obviously, they're changing from a back three to a back four system this season. So Tomoki Amai, even though he was fantastic on the right side of a back three, I thought... As an out and out central defender, it's going to be a different challenge for him. There's, there's little details all over the park where there, there could be weaknesses to exploit that I see. You know, Connor Payne no longer playing as a wing back. Is he a useful A league player when he's not a wing back? When he either has to play left back where he's defensively exposed or left winger where he's probably not creative enough. So I think this team will get a lot of joy on the counter attack. Um, yeah. But with an older side, you probably want to keep the ball. And I'm not sure if the makeup of this team and the formation that they're going to try and play um, is going to help them, you know, keep possession and create chances against a set defense. I wonder.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I think for that reason, Neil Kirkenny has been brought in um, because he's a kind of, ball dominant midfielder. Uh, So I I think maybe that's where I I agree. Like when I look at every A-League team, pretty much you, you look at every team and you say, Oh, you got some good patches or when you got some big holes. And I feel like maybe that's the salary cap. Maybe that's just the level of kind of talent that you can get because your best players will go overseas. um, And you'll kind of be getting players who may be good from overseas, but not, maybe a declining a bit um, due to age or whatever it is. Uh, but, you know, I will say, for example, on the Dylan Wenzel Halls, I'm kind of interested to see how he goes. Because I thought when he was best at the Raw was when he had that partnership with Scott McDonald, you know, mm. a, a kind of a very intelligent, uh, you know, forward who wasn't as quick, but moved in the right areas, allowed, you know, drew defenders away for Wenzel Halls to expose the post. Priyavich, I hope, does that uh, for Wenzel Halls, because I think it'd be great to see Wenzel Halls uh, have a really good season. And it's important season for him. You know, he's 20. 23 years old, um, you know, from all accounts, he's quite a confident guy. Uh, but, you know, if he has desires to be a soccerroo striker, or go overseas, this is the real season that he probably at 23 needs to, you know, hit 15, 20 goals to make that move to show that he's of that caliber. Um, and this, you know, we'll see if it happens. Um, I, I'm not sure. I think, yeah, I think we'll see some inconsistent performances from West United. I think we'll see some games where they're great and it all clicks and it all works. And then, you know, like we said, with Newcastle uh, so a lot of new coach, a lot of new players. Um, we'll see some games where it's not quite working. So I reckon about mid table is where West United's going to be.
0: I'm buying huge stock in Léo Lacroix. Uh, I think he's going to be an absolute Rolls Royce of point. a sender back. He's got, look, <laughs> like, it's always impossible to know with these visa signings, but based on his CV, all the hearts I've watched of him, the style of defender that he is, I think he's going to be uh, something in the mold of a, of a Mathieu Delpierre.
2: Yeah. I mean, our our inside sources. At mm. Western United, not only did he look fantastic in the game on the weekend, like some beautiful control in in mm. the opposition penalty area to just completely put the whole back four <laughs> out of danger, but uh, apparently, according to our sources, uh, to he's been he's been training the house down as well. So looking super impressive. So yeah, I think maybe underneath Prevc he is like the uh, the visa player that we're all looking at.
0: He's the sneaky pick, I think, for I, I, maybe I, signing I, of the season. I,
2: I I am inclined to agree with you. I think I think it could come from one of either LaCroix mm. or Prevc. One final question before we move on from Western United because we brought it up with, with Tony Popovich. Like, there's a lot of pressure on him with his victory job given how middling his you know, success has mm. been since the, the heyday of, of his time with the Western Sydney Wanderers. Can we extend that same pressurised environment to, to John
1: Aloisi? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, like I said, O is a great dude. I really, really like him. But if it doesn't work out here, this is the unfortunate reality, mm. it will be seen as at least two and a half failures um, because, you know, you, Brisbane Roy can kind of – it didn't end well, um, but there was a good period when he was kind of fighting for the title um, in that one season. But yeah, I think definitely, uh, you know, it just if he loses his job, it'll just be ah, oh, he's not a good coach for that level. Um, it'll be tough for him. But you know, this is a guy who was doing a lot of media work, but his passion was always coaching. He really wanted uh, to get back there. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting. You know, he's not joined uh, by his brother Ross, which uh, he was previously. Um, I don't know. Sometimes that can help. Sometimes that can hurt. Uh, you never know just the dynamics sometimes. Uh, you, no, I'm not saying Ross Aloisi is a bad assistant. I think he probably is a good assistant. But just in terms of the way that the squad reacts to a, a brother pairing, um, you know, it can sometimes be an issue. But yeah, I think it's going to be a big season for John Aloisi. And I think there's, you know, big expectations in. Internally, my understanding is you know they're expecting you know, quite a high up the table finish, which I thinks a big ask. Um, yep. But uh, we'll see. It's a big
2: season for United, both on and off the pitch. We didn't have time to dip into that sort of stuff. But look to give John Aloisi his credit as a as a Melbourne City fan myself. He's gotten he's gotten started off on on the right foot. He's you know the players the the atmosphere mm. has been really good. Um, compared to last season, and I guess it's just down to whether or not the former Melbourne heart coach can keep them so happy together, Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Moving on to Perth Glory very swiftly. Richie Garcia has got quite, quite an exciting thing to have mm-hmm. to deal with, and that is, well, not just Richie Garcia, but the Perth Glory and the whole of the A-League men's have got something new and exciting to deal with. And we're not just talking about Daniel Sturridge, we're also talking about his haircut, one and the same. Nick Stoll, I'll start with you because you're our, you know, Stan Sports. Nick Stoll is our sort of cosmopolitan, Euro-focused <laughs> man. Daniel Sturridge is the big headline for Perth Glory. Of course, he's flanked by a, a number of other additions. Brad Jones, Aaron Calver, Jack Clisby, you know, some good squad players. Brandon O'Neill, probably the most exciting in terms of how he works into the team. And of course, you've got Sardinera as well. But I put, it to this, I put this question to Josh before, and I'll put the same one to you. Daniel Sturridge, undoubtedly for the Perth Glory Football Club, he's an amazing signing for the club. Will he be a good signing for the team?
1: Well, look, the, the first thing to note is that, yeah, like you say, it's super exciting that he's here, and I think that's given a real boost probably to the league and to Perth Glory. And, you know, I think he's been a great personality Um, for the league, uh, you know, it's been very entertaining, which is important. Um, But my big reservation is he hasn't played, I think, five straight league games since 2017. Uh, This guy has a lot of injuries and you are investing a lot of money into a guy, you know, this isn't when Del Piero came out he, he wasn't he didn't have a lot of injuries he was just old um so that was kind of the risk you were taking you would, he was relatively fit he just wasn't capable of at the same speed as he used to be you know daniel sturridge my biggest concern is that he doesn't play you know more than half the games of this season uh cuz then you've paid a lot of money to a guy um for him not to play and then and then you know there starts to be a bad feeling around the club and you know perth previously have claimed that they you know, didn't have money. And I believe Tony Sage asked the other owners for handouts and that kind of things at different stages in the season. Um, so that's not a great look, uh, you know, how it impacts the team, um, you know, from all accounts, he's a you know a good guy and he's, he's going to bring it into, I don't know how it works with Bruno Fornaroli up front. They've still got Andy Keogh. That's three number nines. You can only really play one or two there. So how that affects it. Uh, we saw Carlo Amiento have a good season or at least, good patches uh, last season, Um, you know, his development as well in that second striker position. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I think in the similar way that Sydney FC, when they had Del Piero, it was exciting off the field and then the realities on the field quickly came to the fore and they didn't even make the finals. I think we might see something similar at Perth Glory.
2: Josh, it's a really good point raised by Nick. There's just so many, so, so many attacking options for Mm. Richie Garcia have to figure out. How to integrate? Maybe he's helped by the fact that you know Daniel Sturridge won't be playing, nor necessarily be playing week in, week out from the get-go. It's just been such a long time since he's played regular football. But a Richie Garcia has to think about how he integrates all those forward players mm. into a sort of front three system. But he's also got to think about who slots in behind that, and that to me is almost bigger—a a bigger question. Yep then the striker position, then the front three, is who is the supporting man behind those attacking talents. Obviously, in seasons gone by, it's been, and been done very well, by, of course, Diego Castro. But I'm worried that maybe this season for Perth Glory, I think they'll be exciting. I think there'll be plenty of goals. I think they'll be one of the teams to watch in the league because there'll be goals at both ends. But I just wonder that as a collective, if the absence of Castro just leaves a power vacuum that is just not going to, like that Garcia is not going to be able to sort of push himself away from. I think he might find himself sucked into it.
0: There's a complete unbalance in the squad. I don't think Keo, Fornaroli and Sturridge can play in the same team. I think Keo goes to the bench again um, and he's probably overqualified for the bench. Maybe not at this stage of his career. Who knows? Uh, it looks like a four, two, four to me, mm. which is the kind of Garcia kitchen sink kind of total lacking in subtlety. But, lots of attacking, but it ends up being crosses launched at the box over and over again. Um, uh, Sardinero, I guess is a winger, we're told. He was also plays as a striker. I don't know he, whether he I can mean, play inside. Sardinero in
2: has run. been the, the player that yeah. some have pegged for, for being that number 10 when the need arises. But uh, he's as not most really pe- number 10. Exactly. As most people have pointed out, it's not actually a position that he's played over the course of his career. So it's a big risk to be trying no. to shoehorn this, this visa signing into that position.
1: As the Spanish football expert, um, I've oh, never please. actually seen I've never seen this guy really play unless he uh, actually Zero got some minutes from, from two so
2: far with Spanish players, That's Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, unless he played some minutes from Hatafe when when I actually saw Hatafe in person. Um, they got smashed 6-0 by Barca. By <laughs> um And, you know, if he did play that day, well, it didn't matter. Um, but the important thing is looking at his profile and transfer market, he's the centre forward. That's what they say. He sometimes plays on the wing. Um, but, yeah, again, that's a bit of a weird signing if you've got Fornaroli, Keo, Sturridge um, and Sardinero, who traditionally is a centre forward. And I'm assuming hasn't... Come all the way from Spain, you know, at 31 years old to play out of position—that would be—I don't think that. So, how Garcia balances this all out? Mm, this actually is starting to smell a bit of a disaster to me. Mm.
2: I'm I'm sensing a collective air of concern, and I'm also conscious of time. We've got to push yeah. the pace through the
0: other eight. Teams. Should should caveat that with Brandon O'Neill being a fantastic acquisition, true, true. Um, yeah. but
1: again, <laughs> hometown yeah. boy as well.
0: O'Neill does not a complete midfield make, so I don't think they're going to make the finals unless Sturridge, you know, somehow gets red red hot. Because who's going to give the ball to him? Yeah, right? I, I don't yeah. I don't see it. I'm I'm saying there will be box
2: office in in more ways than one, but they won't necessarily be finals contenders. I
0: think it's going to be Kenny Lowe all over. again
1: get
2: plenty you of know decent, what? decent
0: blokes
1: hot take prove me wrong I'm gonna say bottom two. Oof. wow Oof. prove me wrong Perth prove me wrong <laughs> like Spanish the football Mariners expert Nick
2: Stoll goes bang I'm sure that won't be the last uh last hot take of the evening all right <laughs> we'll push the pace up the table Western Sydney Wanderers mm-hmm. finished last season in eighth Carl Robinson as if he didn't have enough toys to play with already in this squad he's been given a whole bunch more we're talking Steven Ugarkovic, Jack Rodwell, like some just incredible, incredible names. He's got all these toys to play with. Can he get them playing together nicely, Josh?
0: Yeah, I I think he's almost spoiled for choice here. I mean, there's literally no excuse for Carl Robinson now. It, it has to work. They have to be title contenders, not just finals. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll find one. <laughs>
1: he'll yeah. find one. Uh,
0: the guy can talk his way out of a, you know, out of a straitjacket. It's crazy. Um he's the best media performer in the country in terms of answering the question that he wanted to answer not the question that you asked it's I, I and you he sort of speaks for so long that you forget what you asked in the first place he's real uh, <laughs> I I think he could uh, you know be uh, in like uh, one of those Ocean's Eleven films or something as the the front man who, who's a distraction but look He's got Ugarkovic and Terry Antonis, two of the best midfielders to have played in the A League in terms of progressing the ball, in terms of creating chances. Like, if he plays Jack Rodwell and uh, you know Kianu ahead of them, I will be very angry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's there there's too many options. There's a coach who, you know, has found excuses where none seem to exist. But Ugarkovic and Antonis playing together is very very tasty. So I'm gonna say they do make the finals and it does finally click into gear. Yeah, no, I, I just think they've got they've got too much
2: quality now. Yeah. Like I, I think questions over the manager aside, now I, I wouldn't be shocked if things don't start very well. Maybe that Carl Robinson's position is under threat. But there is just so much meat in this squad, like not just from a starting eleven perspective, but on a bench. Like that they could almost field two competitive elevens yeah. with some of the players they have at their disposal and some of the young players that have come in as well. I'm really excited to see what Rami Nazarene can do uh, after he performed so well on loan at Newcastle Jets last season. So I'm interested to see what kind of scope he can get. Um, mm. I-, I think just by the sheer weight of numbers, Western Sydney have got to make the finals this season. Like They just have to. They just have to be in my top six for no other reason than an embarrassment of riches.
0: I think they might be top four in my preview. I think wow. they'll be fourth. Still.
1: Uh, look, I agree with everything you guys said. It's a great squad. Um, you talk about the midfield, and we talked about documentaries before. Uh, Jack Rodwell, is he playing for the Wanderers? He's training with them, so he hasn't I signed don't, yet. Okay, no official announcement. Um, look, I'll just say on Jack Rodwell that, uh, you know, Good luck to him. I just hope that the Wanderers don't offer him too much money because I don't think it's worth the risk. I don't think he's a big enough name that like, I don't, I don't, I know a lot of football fans. I don't know anyone who's like, let's go to Parramatta to go see Jack Rodwell age 30, who we haven't even seen for about eight years. Um, And, you know, like you said, they've already got a good midfield in uh, Antonis Ogarkovic. Um, you know, Petralos as well. Uh, you know, what happens to James Choice? Uh, You know, he wasn't great last season for the Wanderers. Um, but, you know, when he's at his best, he is good. But there's all these issues uh, regarding, you know, vaccination. And, yeah. and how his this-
0: Instagram stories, uh, Nick Stoll, I don't think James Troisi's A-League career will be an ongoing concern. I think we we defer to <laughs> Jose Mourinho and we say
2: we, we prefer really not to speak. <laughs> I have We are in big trouble.
1: I haven't been following James Troisi on Instagram and it and sounds like that is a good thing that uh, yeah. <laughs> I've avoided that. Uh, but it just like, this is one of those things that we from the outside don't see and could be having a massive impact uh, on the squad. Uh, in fact, you know, as far as, you know, I was told, in fact, one A-league coach, was refusing to at least get the kind of the your mainstream vaccines, if you like, your Pfizer, your Moderna, your AstraZeneca. And, and that seemingly was going to have an impact on the season as well. So it's, it's just an interesting thing, I guess. Like we look, we try and do our preview, but there's so many like intangibles that we can't see right now that we don't know that we'll be having an impact, you know, within the dressing room uh, and eventually out on the pitch.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it, the midfield composition for this side is, is for me, just to put a point through the Western Sydney Wanderers, I think it's it's all about how that midfield gets balanced, how they work together and how they can play. Because the other player we haven't mentioned uh, ahead of that midfield is Tom Hamed. And if he can do what he was doing with the Phoenix... Good signing. Towards Good the end, signing. It's, it's a great signing. And if that midfield behind him can start to really supply the forward line, get balls into Hamed. Like that, th- that could take them from, in my book, a team that finishes top six just on the weight of numbers, to like a, a potentially devastating team, like seriously mm-hmm. threatening the upper echel- echelons of the table. But we'll leave it with Tomahamed, and we'll go straight to his old club, the Wellington Phoenix. It has been an absolutely topsy turvy time for the Wellington Phoenix, mm. for the Knicks in the off season. They've lost the big man, the iconic Stephen Longpins Taylor. Does the loss of this man, as well as a host of, of many other players, send them down a, a peg or two over the you know sort of plucky overachievers that we've seen in recent seasons
0: from the Knicks? The whole spine has been ripped out of this yeah. team. I mean, Stephen Taylor's gone. He's retired. Uh, they've lost Ulysses Davila, who I thought was, if not the best player in the A-League, one of. And obviously they've lost him out as well. So, look, we, we underrate the Phoenix every year. They surprise us every year. But this squad is threadbare. It looks terrible to me. I mean, there's a lot of young players. Maybe some of them will come through and surprise us. I like uh, Luca Purcio. David Ball's an intelligent forward who brings other players into the game and, you know, makes these decoy runs that opens up the pitch a bit. But, oh, look, they're not working with much in terms of, like, name recognition there in the in the squad. It, you're going to have to have some, some big seasons for some inexperienced players for this to turn out well. And I, I think... You know, uh, the expe- expectations are always low for the Knicks, but I think they've really dropped a bit considering the players that have left the squad this season.
1: Um, where are Wellington based this season? Are they still going to be based in Australia this whole time because of the border situation?
0: I, I think there's a trans-Tasman bubble, is there not? Okay, all right. It's, all right, so um, it's complicated. It's, <laughs> it could change I... at any moment.
1: Look, as I'm sure everyone is aware, I am sick of hearing about the rules of COVID and borders and where and where we can go and where we can't go. And you know, so I just needed to confirm. But Look, I think one player that I'm very interested to see is uh, this Ben Old, who ironically is young. Uh, I think he's 19 years old, Um, but they talk about him quite positively uh, across the ditch. Um, You know, they're quite excited by him, and we we saw a lot of good young players come through uh, Wellington in the last few years. Um, So, you know, that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, Reno Piscopo, I'm very excited to see him again. I think he's a great player. I love watching him play as good as, you know, Davila was last season, like you say, Josh. I think Piscopo, has the opportunity to step up um, and and be that player as well. So there are some reasons to be positive, um, but yeah, like you say, you lost, you know, you, you sent centre forward, you centre back, you're number 10, um, Cameron Devlin, you centre midfielder. I don't know. I don't know how you, you know, that's a huge ask to replace all that. So I think it's going to be a tough season uh, for the Knicks.
2: Yeah, well, to... To use a Nick Stollism. You know, you were talking about the spine being ripped out of this team. It's, it's almost more. It's almost more than just that. It's the yep. uh, you know the elbows, the arms, and <laughs> maybe even the face as well. But I think, I, I think the expectation is that it's probably going to be quite a, a, a difficult season for the Knicks. Probably somewhere around that sort of bottom four area. I think the silver lining, though, for me, is that that will give a chance for some of the players that they have brought in the younger players to. Uh, yeah. To step up, and I think Kiwi per- youngsters. This yeah, is good for the. Ki- this is
0: good for the New Zealand national. Not team.
2: not just Kiwi youngsters though, Josh. I think the fact that Luca Peruscio is 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 coming back. Yeah. You know, and, and being involved, I think he'll become a real potentially leading light in this team. Of course, Nicholas Pennington is someone that people have got big raps on, and and I just want to give a shout out to Matthew Boszynowski, who has been <laughs> this Maced- North Macedonian man mountain, <laughs> who has been killing it. In the MPL reserves for Melbourne Victory, and might even wind up with a, a starting berth for the Phoenix as the season goes on. I've got massive wraps on him. I so mean, we, uh, did him MPL3, so he, well, we did
0: watch him in MPL three. You've watched.
2: We did watch him in MPL three, but I'm just you know pinch I'm of salt. But throwing he's, in the obligatory. He looks youth watch. good.
0: He looks good. I have to say,
2: he looks solid. So, bit of trepidation for the Wellington Phoenix moving on to Macarthur and Mio Mai. It has been such a massive off-season for me. Mac- I know every A-League club has had a big off-season, but MacArthur, doubly, even triply so. There have been so many big names coming into this side, not least mm. Ulysses de Villa, uh, Tommy Urich as well, Jordan Much coming across from the Western Sydney Wanderers. But amidst all those star-studded signings, there has been turbulence aplenty in preseason results, in coaching situation, in squad harmony. How do we even begin to make sense of what is MacArthur FC at the moment?
0: they been getting spanked in preseason. Yeah. And, you know, lots of players unavailable. Their captain retires due to injury on the eve of the season. Assistant coach Mark Milligan resigns from his position on the eve of the season. It's total chaos when you look at the names in the squad and the amount of money they've spent and the players that they've signed from rivals in the league, uh, like Davila and Craig Noon and Daniel De Silva – uh, it looks phenomenal on paper, but then you look at the behind-the-scenes stuff and the results in preseason, and it looks like absolute chaos. So, look, this could be a, a, a real disaster waiting to happen, or in motion, in
1: fact. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, look, they're a, they're a great squad. Mm. Davila, De Silva, Tommy Urich, uh, Craig Noon. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot to be excited about. Al-Hassan Torre... Um, But yeah, you just look at their preseason results. So 5-0 loss to MacArthur, 3-1 loss to the Mariners, 3-2 loss to the Wanderers, 6-3 loss to the Jets. Um, You know, they did win uh, the game against Newcastle Olympic in the FA Cup. But, you know, the stories that you're hearing out of MacArthur are not good at all. And it's we we saw last season, you know, how that lack of harmony in the dressing room hurt Western United. I think it could be a similar thing for MacArthur. So I find them very hard to predict because if I just was looking at the squads alone, I would be like, is a really good team. They're going to do really well. Um, but, and you don't want to read too much into preseason, but just, yeah, some of the things that we're hearing out of there about the disharmony and people leaving and, you know, issues uh, with the uh, management and stuff. I don't know. I think it could be a very tough season uh, for MacArthur, who, you know, I think really needed to build in their second season. They, they didn't break through uh, I would say they did well last season you know in terms of results and stuff they did okay I guess but they didn't break through in terms of fans and, and really being a, a massive great addition to the league um, so it's a it's a tough one but I don't think it's going to go well for them this season I mean
0: on the squad it's a top three team on mm. the uh, everything else everything else <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, preseason the reports behind the scenes it seems like a bottom three team so I have no idea yeah, you really could range them anywhere
2: and I mm. think that's the, that's the fundamental question is this squad is undoubtedly good and I think mm. they've tried to sort of uh placate or intrigue the the potential fans in the area by bringing in so many impressive names you know not least you know, Ulysses De Villa of course but yeah that's that's the fundamental thing is is whether or not that paper quality is enough to actually translate to the league and I think we're all a little bit undecided. Is is the uh, the overall verdict I'm going to get, which probably fits in quite nicely in some ways to uh, to Old Macarthur. But we'll go swiftly on Adelaide United. The big story really was nothing to do with their actual preseason preparations. Of course, everything that went on with Josh Cavallo has rightly so taken the headlines. But I think you know we can put that to one side. As as good as it is, I think lots has been said about it. But we can sink our teeth in to. The actual United squad, which seems to have a little bit more of a youth flavour. I mean, Tommy Urich departing, I think, leaves quite a sizable absence at the tip top of that park. Maybe Cassini Yangi is, is just going to step straight in and, and pick up where everyone else has left off. Where do we put Adelaide United this season? Because I must say, the overwhelming thing for me
0: is concerns over the midfield. Yeah, I agree. Uh I'm not sure why they re-signed Isaiah. I don't get it. I don't get... Nostalgia, a
1: baby. Yeah, nostalgia. He's... And you know what? Can I say it's good to have nostalgia in the A-League because the league is quite young and they say we don't have history, but we're building history. And as a you know a person whose team has just signed their club legend as a coach and just signed a 38-year-old right back because he was awesome about five years ago, I say oh, I'm all for nostalgia. Welcome back, Isais. It's not C si,
0: senor. It's no senor from me because... <laughs> I just think he's he's done. and you know one day confuses me as a signing as well. I mean, you're our resident Spaniard appreciator uh, Stoll, but he's yeah. they're trying to play him sort of further forward, and I don't think that suits him at this point in his career. i'm I'm wondering where the creativity is going to come from and the and the creative burden uh, that's going to be uh, shouldered by the movement off the ball of Ben Halloran is significant. He's been playing as a number ten in. In some of the uh, FFA, FFA Cup games, maybe Stefan Mork will step into that role, but I think he's better as an eight. It doesn't uh, look like a team who's going to score a lot of goals to me. They will be good on the counterattack, um, but in possession I think they'll be quite limited. And I don't really understand why Nick Ansell has been brought in either. I just think his injury record is so abysmal. He doesn't look like a good signing to me. It's squad filler. I don't think he'll start. It'll probably be Tratt and uh, Michael Jakobsen. I, mean, I think that concerns me in mm. and
2: of itself. I, that That's probably the other, if you ignore the midfield, I mean, I'm frustrated as well that, you know, potentially with a, a, a Juan De and a Nisayis double pivot, you you stifle the development of yeah, Dorigo, who had a really good season. Yeah. Um, completely confuses me. But the four list of, of sort of central defensive options is Timoteo, Jakobsen, who a lot of people don't even have tip to start, mm. uh, which really concerns me as a Visa player. And then obviously you have Nick Ansel as well and Jacob Tratt. that seems like the makings of a potentially pretty soft center of defense.
0: Yeah. And potentially an injury crisis in the center of defense.
1: I am going to be positive and say this team is going to finish top four. Wow. Yeah. I've just got good vibes about Adelaide. I just, I like, there's just enough people that I like, you know, like everything you said there was correct, and I understand those concerns. But I really like Ben Halloran. I really like Craig Goodwin. I think Stefan Mork um, has a lot to offer as well. Uh, you know, it's a huge season for George Blackwood coming back mm. to Australia. He sure. needs perform sure. because what, what they've lost is obviously they've lost Al Hassan Torre, um, who didn't actually play all that much last season due to injuries and, and whatnot, and Tommy Urich, who had his own issues uh, last season. Huge season for Muhammad Torre. He's only 17 years old, um, but, you know, he's so excited exciting uh when he's playing um I don't know how he goes without his brother you know what what the dynamics of that situation is going to be how he feels about how the um team let him go uh another one Yengi. uh you know he's going to be kind of pivotal and you know if he's integral to the a-league marketing uh i hope uh you know we see him kind of live up to that um so it's going to be it's going to be interesting season but i just like Carl veard i like kind of what they do at adelaide and uh yeah i'm going to say top four
0: Stoll, i think you've uh lent too much into the south australian parochialism that they're peddling
1: over in adelaide i think you're (laughs) eating up the propaganda here I like, but I like a propaganda. I like, you know, you being a team where South Australians I mean, I mean, to, to, to be. To be fully fair to Nick, I think if you
2: were deciding a team to be uh, surprisingly successful on vibes alone, I think
1: Adelaide probably yeah, is a good pick. They've that's got fair.
2: amazing kits. They've had amazing stories in the off season and they do have that parochialism as well. So Nick's logic uh, or Nick's prediction for his logic is quite good. Um, but maybe functionally we have... Potentially other ideas. Sorry
0: for absolutely bodying you. I have Andy. them outside. I have them outside the six. I, I I have them in probably seventh or eighth place. To yeah, be honest, um, I just think they're too limited. I think they're too one-dimensional with the counter-attacking and the midfield. And, yeah.
2: yeah, that's uh, why I think, I think the midfield is only going to exacerbate that transitional reliance, and that's going to be a big problem against the better sides.
1: That's why I do backflips and you guys just lift weights, all right? <laughs> True, you guys wow. are all about functionality and I'm about belief and dreams and the, f- the football and nation is already
2: counting down the days until your first official recorded backflip. The
0: science of belief with Nick Stoll. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Expect a backflip done, done, done. <laughs> and we'll be expecting plenty of uh, backflips and exciting celebrations from Cassini, Yangi, but we'll head into the top four. Brisbane Roar, the Moon Man still mm. in charge of course, they will have to deal with the the, the big loss of this offseason for us or for the, the people who have stock in Warren Moon, which is the outgoing of Riku Danzaki. But I've seen very ranging opinions on Brisbane Royal in this off season. I've had some people who flirt with the idea of them not just being in the top four but even pushing further than that. I've had other people put them in the bottom four. So... I'm a bit at odds and ends with the Brisbane Raw. I like them, but I need you two to help me make sense of it. Who wants to
0: start? I am really big on Raw this season. I think Warren Moon has proven himself to be a great coach and a great eye for talent in NPL Queensland. They've looked great in their FFA Cup matches. They seem to have a cohesive idea of how they want to play and how these players integrate. I think Steinman is a terrific signing to shore up the the midfield Mm. there. Uh, Akbari is... Absolutely smashing it. I think this team is underrated based on name recognition index alone and they're gonna play good football. Cannot wait to see Jez Lofthouse do some step overs. I'm all aboard the Brisbane Rule Hype train. I'm putting him third place.
1: Ooh. <laughs> Wowie. Ooh. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I I agree. I think um I think you're right. You look at this squad and you go, There's not any huge names in there, but they did really well last season i think warren moon uh, will build on that this season um you know there's some exciting signings like luka venovic like you know, it's always yeah. exciting to see a player that you think would be good if he just got more game time and then it's exciting to see him go to a club where you think he will get more game time so that will d- definitely be uh one to watch and i think yeah, i think they'll surprise a few people i definitely think they'll be top Six this
2: year. Yeah, I, I think the main thing that's costing them, Josh, as, as you sort of alluded to, is just the fact that some of these signings are, are, are registering quite low on the name recognition index. But Warren Moon has almost—he's <laughs> almost got a track record of the, uh, at the moment of maximising, of you know, maximising players that come up from the semi-pro leagues, young talents as well. I mean, we've seen what he was able to achieve with Dylan Wenzel, Halls, Ramit Akbari, since he's moved across from Victory. Hasn't always played consistently, but has definitely looked like a a, a super player in patches. And the exciting thing for me with Luka Vanovic is that I I can see him very easily following a similar trajectory to that of Wenzel Hall at Brisbane. Because this isn't a lone signing. This is permanent. Hmm. Like, he is there the whole time, and and they've got him to play with. And I just like some of the other players that they brought in. Like, Miliusnic was, you know, he's, he's probably more of a PNP player, but I think he can do exciting things coming back. Jez Lofthouse I know Josh has got big stocks and uh, Henry Hall coming up from South Melbourne as well. So they've definitely leaned, maybe
0: taken a leaf out of Adelaide's book and leaned into mm. that
2: Queensland parochialism maybe a little bit. I don't but know I why
0: like I'm, I'm buying into the Queensland propaganda, but, uh, you know, ignoring the uh, South Australian. Maybe I've, I've got some sort of inherent bias that I've acknowledged. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, w-
2: I was putting Brisbane pretty high in my pre- predictions to the surprise of people last year. I'm... I think we're all collectively ready and willing to do that again.
0: Yeah.
2: All right. Brisbane Raw, top four, back-to-back. You heard it here first on FNR's A-League preview. Into the top three, Central Coast Mariners now. This is an interesting Mm. one, a very, very interesting one. Alan Stadic, of course, the wonders that he worked last season, taking them to heights that seemed, at least at the start of the season, completely unfathomable, making an absolute mockery of every single pundit across the country, not least the three that you're listening to right now, he's gone. He's completely disappeared. Not off the face of the earth, he's gone and taken a, a, another job, but he's disappeared from the Central Coast mm-hmm. Mariners. And so too has Alo Quall, who is currently ripping it up for the second side for Stuttgart. But those, you know, it doesn't just leave a, a big hole.
0: It leaves potentially a black hole. Yeah. And I think Johnny Stensness, newly uh, selected Socceroo, Johnny Stenness leaves a, leaves a hole as well. Respect my boy Cam Devlin. That's all I want to say, Arnie. I'm sorry. Yeah, look, I I, I look uh, Central Coast is one of those teams you always write off and I'm going to just do it again. <laughs> Maybe it's lazy journalism, but I think the visa signings look unimpressive. Like Nikolai Muller is another case of Central Coast picking up a kind of cheap offcut from another A-League team who's... Uh, you know, kind of ditched um, mm. he can you ditch know, this guy. Can, if he's not good enough for Western
2: Sydney, why is he good enough for Central you Coast? You know who Nikolai Muller reminds me of a little bit? It's a, kind of like when... It's a, it's a signing that is a good idea in principle, like an exciting play to mm. bring in in principle. But I'm getting a little bit of like a Ross McCormack kind of vibe. Yeah. Like when Ross McCormack Sloppy joined Central from from a different Mariners, team. it just seemed like a no-brainer, like a fantastic idea. But I just wonder if this signing of Nikolai Muller and the other sort of slightly underwhelming visas that you mentioned you know, if that might sort of pan out the same way. What say you, Nick Stoll?
1: I say last season, I said, these guys are going to suck. These guys are going to be bottom two. And we they do know that Nick Stoll is
2: happy to be wrong. So Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, that's I'm, right.
1: <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to say this season, bottom two. I don't think they're <laughs> going to do well, but who knows? Maybe they will <laughs> prove me wrong. I mean, I don't know. It's just, again, I don't see, you know, a great kind of team there. Um, but, you know, if you look at their friendly results, they beat uh, Sydney FC 3-0. They beat uh, MacArthur 3-1. Um, so maybe maybe there is something uh, there. I just, I don't know. It's almost like it was all those years of watching the Mariners play in that very pretty stadium and just lose game after game and struggle. I think it's just permanently etched in my brain and it's hard to get away from that. So um, I'm still kind of not convinced. Uh, I think, the like you say, the absentees. I think Dane De Silva's a huge absentee. Yes. Um, and I don't think that creative burden uh, is being filled. Although, Cy Goodard, that's going to be an interesting signing. Um, but, yeah, I don't think they're going to – I definitely – maybe bottom two is harsh, uh, but I don't think they'll make the finals.
0: They've at least got one of the best goalkeepers in the league. That will save them a few points here and there. Yes. Mark Birigitti.
2: I agree. It's a very good point. Well, they did beat – The next team that we're about to, the next cab off the rank in preseason, Sydney FC 3-0. And you know if we look at Central Coast Mariners as having a transfer in list that is underwhelming, I look at this Sydney FC (laughs) one and just see a transfer list that is just downright weird. Max Burgess, James Donaghy, Conor O'Toole and Elvis Cam Sober is a very obscure list of players to bring in ahead of an A-League season. I mean, Max Burgess is probably the most (laughs) exciting of all of them,
1: but... You know what it feels like? You know when you get a Panini stickers in a World Cup and it's just like the most random selection of players? Like it feels like that's how they did their signings. They were just like, all right, you have yeah, to like." Go. Oh, that's your, a good Your mum's bought them for you or
2: something and you have to open yeah. them in front of it. It's like, oh, yes, James like, Donicky. Yes, that's like, exactly oh, look, what
1: I wanted. Exactly. No, but some of it's like, oh, that's yeah, that's a good one. Okay, that's a bit of a weird one. Oh, okay. Um, him. All uh, right, never really heard of him. Uh, uh, yeah, cool. Oh, that's another good one. So that's what I feel like. Maybe as, they've crazy, done.
2: as crazy as that list of ins is, and it, it to me, it doesn't feel like that. those additions bridge the gap between them that exists between them and Melbourne City at mm-hmm. the moment. Interested to get your thoughts on that as well. But the other only other thing I'd say is as weird as that lineup is, Elvis Came Sober, the weirdest one of the lot, has been killing it. <laughs> in pre-season. I, I don't know what to do when I look at, at, at Sydney FC at the moment, but I just don't see them with who they brought in bridging the gap to City above.
0: Uh, Camp Sober is going to be in a role that suits him better as a sort of bit part substitute player and a guy who works hard defensively for the team. Uh, I think that's an underrated part of his game. Uh, but yes, he was such a, uh, a figure of... Um, you know, he basically summed up what is wrong with Melbourne victory. You know, this guy is not good enough to start in the A-League, starting in the A-League every week. Um, but I think that that probably the fan reaction to him really weighed heavily on him and, and impacted his performances. So I'm, I'm glad to see him in a different environment and hopefully excelling. Uh, Max Burgess, I, I've missed watching him in the A-League. I think that's a, a great one. You know, Sydney's just got a strong core. Uh, It's hard to compliment that when you've already taken up most of your salary cap space with all these existing guys. But continuity is an underrated factor in football. And, you know, the new and shiny thing isn't always the best thing. So I still think Sydney FC will be title contenders. And I've got them in second place.
1: So. Sydney FC are going to win the championship. That's what I think. I think uh, I am super excited to see the combination between Max Burgess and Milos Ninkovic. I think, you know, Alex Bamjohan isn't there anymore. Um, You know, him and Ninkovic, they were good together, but maybe it never felt like they themselves had an amazing partnership. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited uh, to see how uh, Max and, you know, I I don't know where they're going to play Max, if they're going to start him out on the right. He comes inside, um, you know, because Milo Shninkovic plays on the left. So I think it's going to be a really interesting one. I think, you know, yeah, they haven't made like these incredible uh, signings, but there's a lot of stability there. And, you know, that can be super important uh, when you're building a team. Um, you know, I think the goals are going to come from LaFondra and Bobo. I think they'll be fine in that department. Um you know, for, I think defensively they'll be good. Uh, Callum Neumhoff, that's who I'm really excited to see mm-hmm. back. We didn't see – what we saw of him at the start of the season was like, this kid is a gun. And we didn't get to see him because he had an injury and I think it was a back injury or something, which was a massive shame. If he plays uh, along with Braden in midfield, I think they're going to be fantastic. Uh, if you have Burgess and Ninkovic ahead of them, they're going to create heaps of chances. And then Bobo and LaFondre are going to score you lots of goals. Um, you Does know, I think Bobo it's a
0: start or is it Barbarousis?
1: Yeah, probably, probably. I think Barbaruza. Costa will start
0: and then Bobo will
1: be the super sub. Look, I'll be honest with you. The reason I want Bobo to start is because I think he has a really good song uh, that the cdFC <laughs> FC fans sing about him. Always believe in Bobo. Always believe in Bobo. And I think, you know, I think... 10 places should be picked by the manager, and I think one place of the team should be picked based on who has the best song. Uh, You know, I'm thinking Will Grigg on fire. It's a shame that he doesn't still play uh, for Northern Ireland, I think. Um, But, yeah, yeah, I I just – I think CNFC will do really well this season, um, and I think they'll win it. Wow. That's a big
2: call. Well, the team, they'll have to unseat to uh, become – a-League champions, once again, as Nick Stoll is so boldly uh, predicting them to be, is, mm-hmm. of course, Melbourne City. Definitely the smallest in-and-outs list of any club, of course. The smallest one, but perhaps still one of, one of if not the most impressive, because Matt Leckie is in to replace the outgoing Craig Noon and Manuel Pucciarelli is in to replace the outgoing Adrian Luna. I've listened to so many of these previews in the lead up to this and all of them are, you know, Melbourne City bolted on, bolted on champions for this coming season. You know, How are people going to stop them? I want to completely invert that. Josh Parrish, Nick Stoll, I want you to tell me why or where can this Melbourne City team be beat? What can possibly happen? What can the other sides do?
0: to keep pace? Ah, it's a good question. I mean, they're so strong in so many areas. Even the fullbacks look fantastic. Did you see Galloway the other night against South Melbourne? Atkinson playing, playing further forward is killing it. I mean, I, I wonder whether uh, Marco Tilio will get enough minutes mm. to justify, you know, uh, you know, he's, he's he's so talented. I think he should be starting, but based on reputation alone, Nabut is going to um, probably start ahead of him, and I'm not sure if that's the right call. You know, I think... If it's a Leckie, Naboot, McLaren front line, that's a lot of pace. That's a lot of energy. Um, but is it a lot of creativity? And I don't know how good Pucciarelli is. He's listed as a second striker on transfer marked and a few other places. So is he really a number 10 or a player who can play in a four-three-three? This is concern trolling, though. Melbourne City are unbelievable. They've got a fantastic squad. They're going to win the league.
2: Well, eagle-eyed viewers of the stream will have seen Nick Stoll just do his best Andrew Naboo impression running into a different room, just straight, <laughs> straight down the hallway. Nick Stoll, you're, you're the one who's predicted Sydney FC as the champion, so maybe this question is better put to you. How can Melbourne City be stopped in this season?
1: Well, I mean, I think they're such a strong team, like you guys said, and I think they're definitely going to be thereabouts in the contending for the title. Um, I just... I think it's very hard to go back to back. Um, And I think always what happens is we start this, you know, we do it every time there's a season preview. You look at the team that won last season, you know, there's not too many changes that they maybe have signed a good player. Like they've signed Matthew Leckie and you think, oh, well, they were great last season. They'll just be great again. But the reason I think it's so hard to go back to back is, you know, sometimes it can be just the fact of, you know, your standards drop a little bit because you're a champion, because you've already been there. You, you kind of know it's like everyone who comes up against you wants to beat you, wants to be, is so motivated uh, against you. Um, sometimes there can be internal rumblings due to, we won the championship last year. My contract should be improved. or oh, You know, I want to move overseas. That could be a destabilizing effect. So I can't really fault Melbourne City in their squad composition. Um, I think they have a very talented squad. Uh, I just think it's very hard to go back to back, and with, that's why we often see teams struggle after they've won that first championship the next season. Um, and I think that's what will happen this season.
0: Yeah,
2: I, 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 it's a big claim, but yeah. Nick, Nick Stoll, you're slowly convincing me. Not enough to uh, not enough to go with any team but Melbourne City for A League champions for this season. As we round out the predictions. Josh, I think you're on the same boat. Yeah. Nick Stoll, sticking with Sydney FC?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Classic <laughs> Sydney-based football journal. just just going with the local team. A- and uh, classic Melbourne-based football journal. Yeah, good going. point, good point. I, right. I didn't really realise the uh, logical <laughs> also, inconsistency there.
1: I feel like there's nothing more boring than watching a season preview and people are like, oh, yeah, these three teams. These teams will just win it. That's it. Let's shut up shop. So I like uh, that for a bit of difference. All
0: right. I- Do, are we, have we got our top sixes? Or am I just going to read out mine and look like an idiot? I think you read out yours. Okay.
2: I've got, no, no, no. I'll I've make got, one. Well, at the moment, I have uh, MacArthur it, in Stoll third it, and
0: sixth. Nick, so it'll I, be <laughs> Nick Stahl over there while uh, while I read out mine. Uh, in sixth place, I've got the Melbourne Victory. In fifth place, Western United. I think there's quality Visa players carrying them through. Uh, in fourth place, Western Sydney Wanderers with their star-studded midfield. In third place, the Brisbane Roar. Uh, heard, you heard me drinking the Kool-Aid earlier, so I don't need to justify that. And then top two, second-place Sydney FC, champions, Melbourne City. All
1: yeah, right. He, go. Do you Stole. want to go, Rocky, or you want me to go? Stoll or stall? It's, a, it's, it's up to you. <laughs> All right. Let's go me just okay. because um, I'm feeling good and I want to go for it. All right, <laughs> Sydney FC, champions, with Bobo scoring the winner in the, in the last match of the round. Always believe in Bobo. <laughs> um, then I'm going to have Melbourne City second. Uh, I'm going to have... Adelaide United third.
2: I can't believe this from you, Nick. But anyway, Bris- go on, go on.
1: Brisbane Raw fourth. Uh, I'm going to have Melbourne Victory fifth, Wanderers sixth. Okay. okay. Broadly similar.
0: It's just uh, Adelaide United thrown in there for fun. Yeah. I'm going to say Sydney, Sydney
2: Brisbane, Wu, Western Sydney Wanderers and then Melbourne Victory rounding out the top six. Never a more deranged ending to an A-League season preview you're ever likely to find, but gentlemen, it has been an absolute blast. We hope you've all enjoyed it, watching on at home. We hope you've, that's given you a little bit of an insight into how to make t- heads and tails of this upcoming A-League men's season, which kicks off this upcoming weekend. We just can't get enough. We just can't get enough. Nick Stoll, Josh Parrish, thank you very much for your time. We will see you all Soon enough, we've got uh, actually the A League Women's Show coming up on the other side of this break as well. So please do stick around. But until then,
1: it's bye for now. Thank you so much. And remember, always believe in both. Behind Topor Stanley. It doesn't matter. Costa Barbaroussis. Wow. Yeah! I'm a salmon, a
2: spawning salmon. And then again. Oh, he's done got it.
1: Unbelievable <laughs>
2: Oh my god.